0: and Welcome to this brand new IT security podcast. Every episode we'll be looking at elements of the SOC or security operations, but also conversations with various different guests looking at other areas within the IT industry. You're listening to Socktails.
1: I'm top 9% on TryHackMe and I don't even know how to open a terminal. I was really hesitant when we set up Discord. Tell me about sex and jizzle. The GDPR stuff can be the bane of my existence sometimes.
0: My name's Matt Ford and I'm the host for the Socktails podcast. Welcome to the very first episode, series one, episode one, of my little personal project which I never really thought was going to get off the ground but has taken some traction over the past few months to get to the point where we are now. So for those that don't know me, I work at an IT security vendor and have worked in the IT industry for around about 20 to 25 years in a number of various different roles. I've had a lot of conversations over that time with peers within the industry, with various different customers, various different partners, various different people that work within different IT security functions, and I wanted to be able to bring those conversations into a podcast. We've got some fantastic stories lined up with the guests as part of the upcoming episodes, and the very first episode that we have, this one, we have Amy and Sean from Capture the Talent. Fantastic interview that's going to be coming up shortly. But before we get into that, a couple of points that I want to mention. One is the interview that's coming up does have some choice language in it. So if you are a little bit sensitive to some foul language and a little bit of sweariness, then you may want to rethink listening to the rest of the podcast. And I also wanted to give a shout out to a couple of the people that have helped me out with this particular podcast, most notably Stuart Long. Paddy Bale and Matt Blackwell. Okay, so moving on to our uh, interview guests. Uh, When I was looking at setting up this podcast, uh, these were the first people that I had on my list. Um, Even before I had a name for the podcast, these guys were the first people on on the list of first people I contacted and really pleased that we've got uh, Sean and Amy here for the first episode. So both co-founders have captured the Talent. Sean has a LinkedIn profile, which honestly makes me question my own career, not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, <laughs> a, a, a CV that works that, that includes working at GCHQ, content creator for Hack the Box. Author for GCSE computer science material, curriculum director, lecturer at Sheffield Uni. If I'm getting that right as well, pen tester, public speaker, and lover of Shawshank Redemption, which we will get onto. Amy being experienced technical sales, but also an expert in elements such as personal branding, social media presence, career coaching. As part of your work with Caps Lock as well, helping many guide to to their first kind of cyber cybersecurity job as well. Lover of pop fiction, which again we will mm-hmm. we will get onto, uh, and Also, the sweariest person at work, which is interesting. So, Sean the Navy, welcome to Socktails. Good to have you on board.
1: What an thank
0: introduction! You. thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think we'll
1: just end it there. That sounds great. I've done- is that
0: great? <laughs> we just just build you up, and that, and, and then we're done. So, um, so look, you know, we've and um, we've been in contact a few few times, uh, and uh, and I think capture the talent is a really good place to to start with this. This is something that you've set up um, at, uh, at November last year. I, I, I seem to uh, seem to see. So, what was the what was the thought process behind setting that up? So we we were having a natter
2: one night and I mean, me being so disillusioned with the, the training and the certification space and hiring practices within the industry. I mean, for example, I was interviewed for a, a really large uh, insurance firm uh, a couple of years ago as their the head of security role. And the the hiring process was uh, a phone interview followed by a really simple um, offensive security exercise, and I and I thought to myself, well, this is not really fit for purpose for the role that I'm interviewing for. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm sure there's people listening to this thinking, yeah, that that sounds quite uh, familiar. I can relate to that that process. You know, where a recruiter or a hiring manager will will maybe ask some questions, do some screen questions, but it's not really reflective of the job that that person's going to be doing day in day out. Um so we just like Amy and I sat down and sort of like like had a chat on how we could like improve that process and we started out being more of a a recruitment firm to be honest so we certainly had a recruitment focus behind us um like kind of like bridging the gap between like a candidate and a recruiter but that shifted quite rapidly from looking at our skill sets so you know Amy's absolutely like, fantastic at sales and and managing managing relationships with on that side of things um you know I've worked at Hat the box as their head of content for a couple of years I've worked in pen testing and you know all of the things that you mentioned in our wonderful introduction and we just decided to uh, combine those skills and thought hey let's offer training let's offer um CTFs let's offer As own certifications and it just sort of came from from that you know those first few conversations really
1: yeah i think the, the business has really developed from our initial idea that we had that was like helping companies recruit but using i guess like lab environments so just replacing their current technical interview stage i guess with the lab um turns out no one really wants to buy that because everyone thinks that their own interview process is mint and it, I mean, it objectively isn't. But there we go. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we start doing CTFs, which are a lot more fun and it turns out people really like them. So, I mean, it's exactly the same thing as before. We've just told everyone it's a more fun version.
0: Yeah, I know you should do a couple of uh, public CTFs um, uh, as well, which is, which is great and freebie ones. And, and we can, we can mention the Discord and, and, uh, and some of the content that you've got, you've got on there. Cause there's a, there's a lot that goes on on your Discord channel, which is, uh, which is great viewing as, as well. I mean, the interview process is a, is an interesting one that you mentioned there. Um, uh, I, I also worked at an insurance company, fairly local to where we live, so I don't know whether there's some similarities there. But we'll do, we'll do that one off uh, off off camera. <laughs> um, but they, the interview process—I mean, we are seeing um, people comment on LinkedIn that there's four, five, six interview stages for for, for tech jobs, and that's unsustainable, right?
1: Well, I think it's, I think it's really difficult though because you want people are always going on like oh, we want a really short interview stage and like we want to just have a chat with someone for 10 minutes and then we should get this job but I think that's not it's not realistic is it so if I'm hiring you and I'm going to pay you I don't know what's a senior pen tester getting 80 90 100K a year I want to know that you're actually good at what you're saying like you're good at what you're doing so I mean when we started the business we were looking at stuff like hack the box and try hack me and all these pen testers are going oh I'm top 1% on hack the box and Blah blah blah. Well, are you? We just bought the answers because I'm 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 top nine percent on try hack me, and I don't even know how to open a terminal. Is that even the right word? It is a terminal, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I don't, it is. Like I can't even do that. Do you know? Like that's my level. But I'm top nine percent on try hack me because I can literally Google the answers and just type them all in, which is what I've done.
0: Yeah, I mean, you top can. 9%. You can you can jump on on various different websites, breached.io, for example, and they'll have all the answers for for all the hack hack, uh, hack stuff hack the box whatever it may be
1: and I'm not and I'm obviously not saying that that's what everyone does but it's it's just a really extreme example of being able to big up your expertise without anyone really verifying that that's what you can do because and especially in cyberware you can never really talk about what you've done because you can say oh, I was under an NDA and this customer I can't tell you about them and oh I worked at G, like Sean I worked at GCHQ I can't tell you <laughs> what I've done. Um <laughs> but you could but you can be you could have you so you could have done all this cool shit or you could have not done any of it or there could be you know, somewhere in the middle, but but how does anyone ever quantify that and how does anyone ever qualify that that's actually what's happening?
0: yeah no it's a very good point i i mean my 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 history of being sat in interviews being asked about the OSI layer model and various different <laughs> things and writing things out on whiteboards and um you know to be able to have some of that practical uh uh demonstration i think is uh is very valid very 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 key and uh you know one of the other things that that um that you do as well i've seen some of the cV templates and some of the ways in which you can present yourself um certainly mm-hmm. as you're first getting into the into the cyber role i think i certainly fell into the trap of putting Carly as an experience on my cv i was like well there's quite a bit to that so it's, it must be then quite difficult to to say how do we present ourselves but then what do the, the, the other side, what do the interviewing panel want to be able to uh, to pick up from, from that side of things? I see you've got some CV templates and that and that kind of stuff on your on your website as well.
1: Yeah, so I do, I do quite a lot of CV reviews. So people message me all the time saying, help me with my CV. Because all you're doing when you're writing a CV is selling yourself. And I'm in sales, so I'm good at selling shit. Um, so there's a massive crossover between those two skills that people don't realise. Um, but all people do is they seem to write... I'm really good at these technical things. Well, great. Loads of people are great at them technical things. No offense, technical people. Anyone can learn to do the technical stuff. You literally just have to sit and, you know, study it. But the soft skills and the communication stuff, that's the stuff that's missing. That's where, I mean, there's a DCMS survey that came out and said 40% of people in cyber are missing like soft skills or complementary skills, as they call them. And it is like, I'm sure we're going to talk about the talent shortage soon, but that's where the talent shortage is. It's in that soft skill area. It's in having a technical person who can also have a conversation with a customer or who can also quantify risk or communicate or write a report that's legible and understandable for people who are not technical.
0: I, I, the, perfect segue actually into that but from you know that that the 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 comments that we're seeing about the the talent shortage within the the, the security industry you know you say a lot of those are, 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 are soft skills you're right we do have people that are very technical and very technical focused and they'll often look at various different certificates which again we'll come on to and go look I can do this I've, I've got my CCNA I'm great I'll go off and and, and be a pen tester without the other elements that come with that the speaking to customers the, the ability to write re, write the reports mm-hmm. um the the ability to be, be able to jump on a, on a on a on a podcast and chat about what you're doing right these are these are important uh, uh, elements of that and as you say is, is this area where we are seeing that talent shortage do you, do you think that the technical skills are there maybe some of the the training elements are, are there but it's those other areas that we are really let ourselves down as an industry
1: yeah i think the so like you said the technical skills are there. People are going out and doing the training. All the training that people are doing seems to be technical training. So all the courses that are coming out, they're all focused on how do I get better at pen testing, how do I get better at blue teaming, or whatever. But it's all focused on that technical side of things, and it's not focused on becoming a rounded consultant because that's a pen test. You a pen tester is it? unless you unless you're doing that communication piece and able to talk to customers and able to work with the sales team and scope it out and understand what the client wants and like hit the client's objectives unless you're doing all that piece as well well you're not a pen you're not a you're not a consultant then are you just a hacker because hackers don't have to do all that stuff they don't have to do all the communication they're just here to i'm assuming i can swear on this yeah (laughs) hackers are just there to fuck shit up and walk off again out there and that's the reputation that pen testers have that they're that they just come in and do that and then leave but that's not what the job is meant to be the job is meant to be we are helping you to get better and we're helping you to get more secure. And the way that we do that is, yeah, we do come in and break a lot of shit, but then we tell you how we did it, why we did it and how you can fix it. And that's the bit that's missing, I think.
0: I, I, I think that's a very important part of what you're saying. You know, the, Some of the certifications out there, um, I, I got my CEH a few years ago, decided not to renew that. There were some of those c- certificates out there that can be quite useful, um, but there are also some that are, are not necessarily... Uh, seen, I guess, across the industry as being as being maybe as useful. I think the CH probably being one of those, uh, one of those qualifications. I, and I'm now going to get to a question I never thought I'd ever ask on every podcast, which is, tell me about sex and jism. <laughs> <laughs> because. Because uh, because these are these are uh, I, the, the, you know so, some of the certificates that that you've been looking at. I think I, I I'm saying this without laughing. I think the chism has kind of been phased out more towards the sex, but. <laughs> This is obviously an area that you feel very strongly about and obviously you've cr- created these, these certificates yourself and, and, and the content uh, on on those.
2: Yeah, so I, I should preface this by saying like, I'm not trying to cast any shade at uh, any sort of certification companies or anybody that might have strong opinions about any certifications either way. I'm just a guy talking, you know, a lot. I'm just expressing my opinion in, in this field. So again, it's not a personal attack. Just on the on the jizzing thing, uh, we, uh, I mean, a lot of our ideas come from uh, sitting in the pub and having a natter over a couple of pints. And when that's, some, that's where we've had some of our...
1: That's called the board meeting. And I think it's
2: right. <laughs> so we have our board meetings and we, we do genuinely have some really good ideas. At least we think so. And, you know, a lot of other people think so as well. And we were we were sat scrolling on LinkedIn one night and... We will 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 be quite ambiguous in the in where the jism came from. No pun intended. And we we that was just a piss take. That was a genuine piss take on the certification industry. And you know, we even that, went as far to say, it, right. like we call,
1: we're going to say sorry. The fact that it rhymes with jism is totally coincidental.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, you you know, even down to the name, like Junian Information Security Master. There's just such a a contradiction in there and we are just you know saying look the certification space is broken so that was never meant to be a fully fledged serious certification because who the hell wants jism on the cv again no intended uh, no pun intended so we did develop his own our own certification CESC, you know which we think is the most true to life um, offensive security certification on the market you know we do a, f- a full 360 view of, of a pen test right from sending out a uh, 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 you know a uh, scope of the scope of the engagement document at the start to you know supplying ample time for the candidate to do the exam and uh, they've got to do the candidate's got to produce a report that's legible and professional and if a non-technical person can't understand it then they've got to go back and have have another go because again the importance of communication it's not just all about popping shells and getting domain admin it's you know communicating risk that's what we're that's what we're here to do and you know they've got to do uh, an on-screen debrief again practicing that that verbal and those verbal and presentation skills in front of a client and then they've got to go into the environment and remediate the issues that they've pointed out within their pen test so it's not a case of saying to a client oh you've got SSL version three uh, in your environment—that's insecure. You've got to get rid of it in favor of TLS 1.2 or three. Well, anybody can write that, but can you actually remediate for the client? Uh, So that's where that's our sort of uh, approach for CESC.
1: In terms, just to say, it's not the fact that pen testers get asked to remediate because, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the time, it's actually we're not allowed to because. Of insurance reasons, right? But it's the fact that customers come to us and say, "Well, how do I do this? Well, how like if you've got to be able to explain, you've got to be able to at least explain it to them rather than just going Google it." So that's why we kind of make people do, and it's a different bit of remediation every time. So the exam's slightly different for everyone.
0: Hey, and for sorry, John, were you did I yeah, cut across? Yeah, you? so I
2: mean, just just um just like harking back to the certifications you mentioned. I mean, CEH, I mean. If I land on a network from an external pen test, the first thing I'm presented with is not a multiple choice questionnaire. You know what I mean? So, yeah. in terms of the value of that certification, I mean, I'll I'll go on record to say I think it's absolute dog shit, wrapped in cat shit. You know, I think it's horrific.
0: Tell um, us what you really think.
2: <laughs> you know, it's not, it's, that's not a reflection
1: on people that have taken it or anyone that's got it. It's just a reflection yeah, of the company. I,
2: it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the whole. It's the whole. Um, it's the whole thing with CH of if you get this, you're a certified ethical hacker. You're certified to hack. You you haven't touched a network. You haven't ran a an Nmap scan. You've not you've not done anything other than answer a multiple choice questionnaire. Mm. That's not fit for purpose. You know, if we have a look at other certifications, you know, OSCP or some SANS courses. I mean, they're eye-wateringly expensive and the again that the trueness to the to the actual job that that occurs day to day you know that that's up for question, you know, so we've looked at all of these certifications in the space and thought, no not there's there's bits in each which I really admire, and we've taken the best bits we've improved on them, we've added this own thing. And I think we've we've got a winner with C E S C.
0: Fantastic. I mean the the OSCP, I think even one of your stickers says pay harder, isn't it? Is that right? Because obviously their phrase is, you know, try harder and you've got the 24 hour uh exam. I think is it 24 hours, 48 hours, something along yeah. those kind of lines? Um yeah. When we're talking about, again, that talent shortage, even from a technical perspective, you know, people trying to get into the industry, um, whether it's people from a university level, whether it's people from various different diversity groups, um, which I know is something that you guys support as well, you know, the that that certificate field is a is a minefield. You know, do people go to university and get degrees? Do they sit there and do the the the, the hacking courses, the the sans courses? That are I wateringly expensive. So to have something like this is a is a real, uh, from what I can see, a real good kind of kind of starter point. Is that is that kind of how you see it as well? Having that kind of foot in from this, or
1: I think it is really difficult because I see loads of people going to uni and getting cybersecurity degrees, and I think they they're great and they have the place and it shows that you can study and that you're committed and there's lots of other skills that you learn at uni that you don't necessarily learn by going to a boot camp or doing an e-learning course or doing some self-study so i think it it's already it depends on the individual and what it is they're looking to get out of it personally i think if you know you want to be a pen tester what's the point of going to university to study cyber because the majority of a cyber security course isn't actually cyber security loads of it is networking and understanding the underlying it principles because we know that it is crap in through schools even though sean's written loads of bits of the curriculum i'm sure um i never got taught anything about networking at school i did an IT, i did an it as level and i never got taught anything other than like how to use word what the fuck well i mean that's useful it's useful for like typing some shit but it's i won't be able to do i can't do anything with it
0: and, and do you see the the, the pen testing that? And uh, we'll, we'll get onto the phraseology because I'm not a big fan of red team and blue team as a phraseology. But do you see that that kind of pen testing that red team as this is the, the glamorous aspect? This is where I can I can uh, jump on a on a corporate network, you know, get their AD account within 20 minutes, and and stroll off. Into the sunset and everything's great. Whereas that more defensive aspect and the blue team aspect is is equally important, but not necessarily seen as glamorous. Would you say?
2: I think I think that's yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's the way. I'm not sure where this myth has come from because it's not red team and blue team. It's like we're all on the same team. We're all working towards a common goal of let's improve corporation XYZ. You know, let's let's improve the security posture of this environment together. You use this tool and I use that tool. We're all on the same team. We're not pitted it's it's almost as though we're pitted against one another. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm guilty of sometimes sort of playing to that as well, you know, saying, Oh, blue teams are just all about reading logs and, you know, deploying patches. And of course that's not what it's all about. It's 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 the same like pen testers and you know, sock analysts, for example, we're all we're all working towards the same thing. We've all got a common goal. Um, and that's to keep the bad guys out. It's just that you might use Splunk and I might use metasploit for example you know it's just different tools for achieving the same goal at the end of the day and I think we do we do need to work towards a more a more a, a, a parity in that um in that perception I think you know
1: I think it's really interesting so I've been pulling together I pulled an infographic together the other day that was like how' to get into pen testing and someone said can you make them for blue teaming and I looked at what I'd written for red teaming and I was like the same stuff. Like you need to have a basic understanding of Linux, Windows, and networking. You need to work on your communication skills. You need to practice some stuff. Whether that's on TryHackMe or Hack the box or Blue Team Labs Online or Range Force. it's the same. It's exactly the same advice that I'm giving out to people to so get into Blue Team or Red Team. But yeah, like Sean said, you everyone gets pitted against each other. And I do it as well. I just like winding people up because you know it's funny. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, and ultimately we are all on the same team. So if we're doing a blue, if we're doing a, a red team engagement, ultimately we're trying to help the blue team learn something, like how. So we're all helping each other. It's not a us versus them, and it's not ha ha we broke into your environment ha, ha 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 Because that's well, that's the kind of stuff that we're teaching as part of the courses that we're doing. That's not the attitude that you need to have to be a pen tester. So the attitude you need to have is it's really shit that you've. That you know that we've that I've managed to get this far, and here's how I've managed to do it, and I'm not going to laugh at it, laugh about it, or whatever, because it's not a funny thing, is it? Really, it's it's like devastating for customers, and it's people's jobs on the line and all sorts. So it's not not ever something you should be like make happy about.
2: I think I think we we did. There is a bit of uh, bro culture in in cyber, and by that yeah. I mean you know people going, I got DA, you know, I got, I got enterprise admin. I took over this network. Well. <clears throat> Think about the business impact of what you're saying there. Think about the jobs that potentially are gonna be called into question. Think about people's livelihoods. Think about what you're saying there. You have got you have effectively taken over this network. You know, it's 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 not about getting domain admin. It's about this has happened. Here's how that happened. Let's work together to fix that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think I think uh, respect. Is few and far between at the moment in cyber.
1: I, I do actually think that blue team have a harder job than red team as well. One hundred percent. Blue team, you've got to defend all the things all the time. If you if you slip up once, then your company's screwed. Whereas a hacker just or a red teamer just has to get lucky once. Like it's, but they can fire things at you all the time, and it doesn't matter if their stuff doesn't work. But when your stuff doesn't work once.
0: As a blue teamer, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good point, right? And as you say, they'll, they'll sit there in the in the in the presentation meeting afterwards, and to use that horrible salesy phrase, you know, they'll call the baby ugly. Looks, look at what we've done to your environment, and look how I managed to get domain admin domain admin access and everything else. And I, I have seen a, a slightly different trend now, certainly within. Twitter and some of the other kind of social media feeds where people are being a lot more supportive of those technical teams, of the incident responders. You know, we get a lot of information and I'm guilty of it sometimes as well within Twitter saying, look at this company that's been hacked, look at all this information that's come out. But then there's the other side of that of saying, well, actually this has happened on a Friday afternoon and these poor sods have got to deal with this incident response all week, all weekend, all week. They've got to bring in um, consultants from other places. They've got to deal with things. This is you know, potentially the end of a three or four year project from a security platform perspective, and then suddenly they've been hacked, and they've and they they've got to explain that. Um,
1: and it's not, just, um, it's not just it's not just a security team that it affects. It's like when the NHS in was it the NHS in Ireland or the Irish Health Service they got screwed over, didn't they? And it had like effects on on patients for years. Like I think they're still behind with some like with like cancer patients and all sorts of stuff because of the hack that happened which Dilly, I don't know what the, I can't even remember what, what exactly it was, but they, they were like, it affected everyone. It's not just yeah. the security teams that it's affecting. It's, it affects a lot of people.
0: Everybody in the entire business. So from a, a from a pen test engagement, from that offensive security engagement side of things, when we're talking about the scope and, you know, do you have customers that, that turn around and go, oh, you can't touch this area. You can't touch this area. You can't touch this area. Does oh. Is that a positive? Is that a frustration? Is that, how do you kind of approach that kind of conversation with those with those kind so of, of
1: customers. So I it's not only me that they're saying it to from a sales perspective. Right. Usually the de-scoping stuff because it's too because ex, it's expensive. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're saying, well I've only got enough money to test this bit of the network or I've only got enough money to test this app. Fine, but you're getting tested anyway whether you like it or not. Not by us, obviously, because we only do it with the authorization, but people who don't have authorization are still trying to test you all the time. Um, we're just nice and give you a report at the end of it. So <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's. I find, it inc- I find it incredibly frustrating, especially when, well, I mean, when a customer does have budget and then they sit there and go, oh, well, we can't use social engineering because it'll upset the staff. Cool. Well, I'm going to be really upset when they get locked out of the laptop and the company goes bust because you've got ransomware and you haven't got any money left. But cool, yeah, that's fine. I just don't want to upset Janice in finance.
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk as well about the ways in which companies have phrased their kind of phishing tests and and how serious those are. And and social engineering is obviously a massive part of it. And, and you've got some fantastic people out there. Jenny Radcliffe, I know, you know, talks about that at, at length from a social engineering mm. side of things. So so when when you are kind of looking at, at de-scoping that, it, is that a, a massive frustration? Is it just a case you just roll your eyes? Or, or is it, you know, can we try and have an element of that somewhere or or do we assume that we've already done the social engineering and we're already past that how do you kind of approach that from from that kind of customer's perspective
1: i think there's a couple of scenarios that we normally look at in the sean so sometimes we'll always try and include social engineering to an extent but because social engineering can take ages and ages and ages i mean it does eventually work but because it can take like weeks to work we say we'll have a go at it for i don't know x amount of time and if that doesn't work then just give us some credentials anyway and we'll pretend that it worked. Because mm. you know it will work because how How often does you see in the, in, the in, in in like the news that companies that have got breached it's because someone clicked a phishing link and mm-hmm. someone got in and blah, blah, blah. So we know that it does work, but we're just trying to see the propensity, like how, how easily it would work on your staff. Um,
2: it really boils my piss when companies <laughs> turn around and say, you can't touch that, you can't do that. Or, you know... So for example, I was I was doing a pen test within a, a, a legal firm uh, not so long back, and they took out all of their domain controllers from Scope. So, and this is an internal test. So, okay. usually the aim for me is to you know get on the DC as a as the highest privilege possible, and maybe you know dump the Sam hive and you know do all of, all of that shenanigans, and maybe crack some hashes from NTDS or whatever. And they've just completely removed that. So my, my initial emotional reaction is, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they doing this? <laughs>
0: Fuck's sake.
2: And then I just calm down after a couple of minutes and go and and just try and have that conversation with them in, a again, a respectful way. Say, look, if I was a real threat actor, those are the crown jewels that I'll be going after. Those are in the middle of my crosshairs. Your domain controllers is where the crown jewels are for the company. That is the number one target, usually for uh, a threat actor within your network. And I understand that there might be a financial limitation, a time constraint, et cetera, et cetera, but removing things that are critical to getting the organization to understand their security posture really frustrates me. Um, From like a a social engineering point of view as well, we'd we'd look at it on the other extreme. You know, companies wanting to pour in money on social engineering when they're financially constrained, probably not the best um, spending that they could do to understand their posture, because as Amy's rightly said, it only takes a matter of time for a real threat actor to get in. It might take us, might take us an hour, it might take a week, it might take, it might take a month, it might take several months. But uh, a persistent threat actor is going to get in if they want to get in. So remove the unnecessary, you know, remove the unnecessary things from your pen test. Focus on what a, a real threat actor will do when they're in your network. And that's going to better inform your your choices moving forwards to increase your security posture.
1: Yeah, it really annoys me when a customer says, um, "We're we'll doing, we we'll do, we're scoping an internal test, and we'll say, so you need to give us some credentials for it.'" And they go, "Why are you a hacker?" I'm like, "Okay, clearly we've not explained what we do for a living properly." Well,
0: <laughs> and I think that's it. I think it shows a, a a fundamental kind of lack of understanding of what the outcomes. Uh, 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 from this particular engagement it's not a let's let's show us you know show you how clever we are or, or what we can do I mean there's probably an element to that but it's it's having those those beneficial outcomes to to as you say work with both sides the red team and the blue team and be able to in, improve their security posture going forward because that's what they're paying the money for right they want to be more secure at the end of it than they were at the start absolutely
1: so I don't think a lot of customers do though. I think a lot of customers want us to go. Oh, we couldn't break in within the half an hour that you gave us. So therefore, you secure. Take your Bye. bye And I, that, I mean, again, like yeah. we. Ha- I have massive companies being like, yeah. Well, we need. We're not giving you any credentials. You need to break in. And I'm like, but it's not. You don't want the test doing proper, then, do you? Mm, because yeah. Who? Because you don't need us to break in. You don't even. Need, and a threat actor doesn't need to break in. A threat actor just needs to ring someone that works at your company and bribe them. Then they're in already, then they're, 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 they're out of breaking. It doesn't matter through your security controls. So then what do you want us to do, like go around every single person in your business and ring them and see if they'll accept a bribe or like what how are you testing for that? You're not you can't test for it. So
0: Yeah. I, I think the, the, the social engineering side of things, I think is it is quite difficult to to test, i You know, I've I've been in situations. I was on site once. Looked on Google Maps and and saw that from where their back door was, the local Tesco's. The grass was all. It was a big line where they. So it's like we're just let's just hang around the back door and i will just yeah. stroll in at, at at lunchtime. But how do you how do customers look at trying to defend against that? It's very difficult. And as you say, you know, assuming that you're going to get in at some point, always assuming you're going to be hacked and and what that response is going to be. Is that a, a kind of valid way for for so, for customers to kind of think- approach things?
2: I think it's about building a, a really healthy culture within your business to report things that you find out of the ordinary. So I think in some organizations, there might be a bit of a fear or apprehension to say, to go to, I don't know, let's say your line manager or security manager, etc. And say, there's a person here, it looks out of, they look out of place. I'm not sure what they're doing there. I just thought I'd report that. Mm-hmm. I I seldom see that in organisations. I think there is a fear of not wanting to be a you know a Jobsworth or a Nosy Nelly or whatever to say I don't like the look of this. So you don't want like I think that's quite a a human. I think that's a, like a, a a valid reaction from an emotional point of view as a as a human being not want to say I think that person looks dodgy as fuck over there mm-hmm. based on <laughs> based based on a feeling. Yes. Based yeah, based on a feeling. You know what well, you're basing well, that on. You know, I, I I sometimes look at this. This is going to make me sound really bad and judgmental, but I often look at situation and go that that fella over there looks dodgy as fuck. What is he doing? Uh, and it's not often like like most of the time it's like nothing, you know. But but based on the job that I do, i have sort of got that drilled into me to like assume people are up to no good and are do-gooders.
1: So this actually happened to me the other day. So a customer rang our switchboard, got put through to my mobile. And was like, "Oh hi, it's I don't know Tim from so and so. You work with name of big client, like big big client that we work with. You work with them, and I work at their sister company. So I just need to find out a bit more information about what you're doing with them because we want to do something similar." And I was like, "Okay, so I didn't really give you many de- really details. Just said like these are the services that we provide." And I can send you some more information via email. And then I immediately emailed their CISO and was like, I just had a really weird phone call. And I can't find this guy anywhere on LinkedIn. Like, does he work with you? <laughs> he does work with them. He's totally fine. Like, he was,
0: actually,
1: he was just a sales lead. But I was like, what? A sh-? I said to Sean, like, that was a really weird phone call. But that,
0: that like, sounds like the start of a social engineering engagement, doesn't it? Just exactly like textbook exactly. element. That's what element I thought, and
1: I was like, "Am I just being like really paranoid?" Like, and I just said, and then when I emailed the CISO guy, I was like, "I don't want to sound like a dick, or like I'm saying anything bad about this person, but I just thought I'd better let you know about it in case someone's trying to like get to you via us, or
0: yeah." And, and I think what Sean you're, you're saying there about having the culture and having the support, I think within the the, the business to be able to to yeah. challenge people, my career in the past 20 years, I've spent a lot of time on customer site with technical pre-sales consultancy. I've been challenged once, twice, maybe walking through a door in a secure area. Nobody's really, nobody's really interested. You walk up to a door pretending to be on the phone and having a coffee in one hand. Someone will open the door for you. you you're right. There's that, there's that human element, and and uh, and having that assumption that somebody is going to get that password, they're going to get into the building. Those those yeah. kind of things um, is uh, is is very valid. Um, very much so thinking about some of the the, the tools uh, and and delving i guess into some of the techie stuff there was something that you put on on twitter fairly recently about using um i think it was a uh, msf venom within Carly. now i'd used Carly before and i would kindly kind of written it off a little bit as one of those old tools that nobody really um uses too much but you you've mentioned metasploit already again as part of this this interview you know what kind of tools are you are you are you using are you using something like Metasploit in its entirety are there other I mean there's so many numerous different tools out there Okay, there was another one that I use quite regularly is that kind of like your go-to from a a tooling perspective? So you mentioned
2: uh, MSF Venom I think that's a really good tool to generate things like shellcode and and, you know raw like raw shellcode to then put into something else um metasploit isn't something that i use that often to be honest it, unless it's a really old system yeah. uh let's say i come across I i don't know maybe a server 2008 instance and you know it's got smb version one running you know i'll just fire up the I'll fire up metasploit and just fire eternal blue at it and you know it's game over or a windows 7 machine which i, I saw a couple of months ago and it's just it, they, they're really useful for the the modules that are in there a lot of them are for older systems as I've mentioned. So I'm finding I'm using it less and less as the as the years go on. In terms of the tools that I'm using, um I really so for internal tests, I mean I love Bloodhound. So Bloodhound, for those of you that don't know, uh it's a tool that audits your Active Directory uh, environment and as your Active Directory environment as well. It's much easier to compromise an internal network that to Looking at misconfigurations rather than vulnerabilities uh, per se. So, rather than looking for outdated software or, or things like that, looking at the configuration of the actual environment is a lot easier. It's a lot easier to spot those gaps uh, in the in the setup of Active Directory. So, for example, a user with um, overly permissive, yeah, who's got overly permissive permissions set on that account. You know, maybe they're part of a group that's nested into another group that's nested in domain admins, for example. Bloodhound is one of those tools that will plot that on a nice graph for you and say, to get from A to B, you've got to do this and that, that," et cetera, et cetera. It'll plot it out really nicely. One of the tools that – one of the misconfigurations I'm seeing a lot as well in Active Directory environments is Active Directory Certificate Services, so misconfigured certificate Mm -hmm. templates is a really good tool that SpectreOps Uh, have released uh, again the authors of bloodhound they've released a tool to audit this environment it's called certify love using certify just to again audit that network what templates are vulnerable and you know that and it lets you essentially get a domain admin in i think it's four three or four commands now Uh, there's the there's the old favorites you know using burp suite for Mm -hmm. for web apps as well and crap map exec which is like it says on the tin it's the swiss army Swiss Army knife for the pen testing, uh, Nessus, you know, great vulnerability scanner, you know, fire that off at the start of any test and it'll give you some really good starting points for lying in fruit. Havoc is a new tool that I have discovered in the last few weeks, which is a C2 framework. Uh, C2 framework is a command and, con- uh, command and control piece of software, which allows you to uh, pivot through a network and, You know, I'm sure people listening to this might have heard of one of the more popular C2 frameworks called Cobalt Strike. Um, You know, a lot of APTs use that and nation state uh, threats use that particular C2 framework. Uh, I could talk all day about tools. Uh, You know, I'm always looking, I'm always, I'm always finding new things to tinker with. And, you know, there's some really cool tools coming out every other month, it seems. Yeah, just a, a, a an overview on what I'm using at the minute. Yeah,
0: no, that's great. I mean, I think I saw I think it was yourself that that, that had the blog on, on on Havoc, and that was certainly something that I was interested in, in taking a in taking a look at. Do you think that the security tooling that is out there now from a defensive perspective is it is better? I mean, I, I personally I work more in kind of the endpoint and, and SOC space, but you know, we're now talking about moving from EDR to things like XDR. Uh, and But, again, then you see people that are out there saying, oh, look, I managed to bypass this very famous EDR tool in 30 seconds using this one command. Is the technology out there better, do you think?
1: I think, the technolo- I think it's all good and well having all this technology in place. But if you haven't got anyone looking at it and understanding the outputs from it, then what's the point? So, you're like... I know firms that have been like ransomware recently and then they've gone out and bought like Dartrace and I don't know, whatever, EDR service and XDR and what you're saying. Every blinky box available. They've got all of them. But then the security team's got one person in it. Well, how is he managing all of that then? What How are you looking at it and analyzing all the stuff that's coming out of it? And are you looking at all the logs and have you got time? And instead of, instead of spending money on all this technology stuff that's coming out, how about just talk to your users about not clicking on phishing links and implement MFA as a thing across the board so there's no point putting all this expensive tools in but then leaving like a mass. Light. it's like shutting the window but
0: opening the door very very point i think it's probably one of the biggest pitfalls that I, I see people kind of fall into is they buy they buy things for the tick box but they don't necessarily implement it correctly they don't necessarily have the resources to be able to deal with that they they feed all their alerts into the seam and don't bother doing anything with it because it's too noisy um mm. and uh yeah it's interesting that you kind of said the same thing i mean that's certainly what i see from from uh, from my side of it
1: i used to work with a university and they plugged in like sentinel and they had all of these different solutions and when we plug sentinel in for them we were monitoring it for like a proof of concept and i said to them we've got a few ransom- we've got a few alerts here that say we have got ransomware and there's like some c2 callbacks going on i think you should probably maybe take a look at these and the guy was like no there's like 20 of them a day they haven't got time i'm like all right cool so I mean, you've you've you definitely got someone in your network, then. <laughs> just kind, of, just kind of leave it, yeah.
0: It, so, uh, you know, we've we've obviously spoken about quite quite a lot there, and and there's some areas, you know, I'm going to put some links to your, your website, your, uh, your your Twitter, your Discord. Um, I know you've got some labs, you've got some great content with on your on your website as well, with the CV templates and, and those kind of things, which are fantastic. So, I'll, I'll, I'll link through for those. Um, one of the things I did want to ask is, the moment I sent an email into you, you both replied with your favourite films um so uh, so sean you mentioned Shawshank, which is which is fantastic is one of my favorite films i was going to ask one of the uh one of the uh the, the companies you got listed was uh dark tower security that you that you co-founded kind of is that a stephen king link or am i just it's finding a tenuous link into that
2: it's definitely a stephen king link Look at uh, that. i'm not sure Look at if that. Can
0: see. <laughs> i can yeah. just about see that on the on the webcam yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Car, car is a wheel um uh, but yeah absolutely that had a I don't want to sound too grandiose, but that had a profound effect uh, that, that series. Yeah, absolutely sublime.
0: Fantastic. And Amy, you mentioned Pulp Fiction mm. as well in in there, and and I noticed one of your blogs as well that you referenced Die Hard. So there's obviously the, you know film buffs between the two of you there
1: i would show you around our kitchen it's really but it's too messy but there are pulp, pulp fiction posters in the kitchen there's like we have t- tarantino posters are on the kitchen
0: la- the last time i went to la i went to see fox plaza which was nakatomi tower um it got forcibly chased away physically chased away by security uh, but that's probably a story for 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 another time <laughs> I, again, I mean, the kind of reason I mentioned the films, everybody that knows me knows that Back to the Future is my film. I've got little Martin McFlyers on my desk and DeLorean's all over the place, which is which is uh, which is great. But uh, but shows the, the, the extra element, I think, to uh, I think most most of us that work in tech are, are nerdy in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. So films is obviously part of that. The, the other one of the other areas that I wanted to do as part of this podcast, I mean, I think hopefully you can kind of help me out with a little sound bite here is. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to have something where we have our guests on and they 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 kind of regale a story or an anecdote where something has gone wrong. Either it's been right for them and the customer has done something wrong or something when something massively gone wrong as part of their engagement. And I wanted to call it for sock's sake. And I thought, given that you have been voted the sweariest person at work, if you would be <laughs> able to say that for me as a little soundbite and I can use that. Going along with the rest of my podcast would be great. And then I, I'll let one of you, I'm assuming it'd be Sean, but I'll let one of you jump in with your little for sock's sake anecdote. I, I would appreciate that.
1: Okay, so here we go. Here he is for socks' sake.
0: Yeah, so I so this is a
2: very a very short story from I think it was maybe eight or eight must have been eight years ago, just thinking about how old my children are. And it was a friend who wanted. Uh, a pen test on his internal network and I was doing it at, I'll be honest I was doing it at match rates I was probably not working as hard as I should have been but I still wanted to do a good job so I turned up day one and he sits me down he's like "Yep, yeah, there you go you know just do your thing you know see you in a couple of hours whatever and so I get, I'm sat down I've got my Got my got my machine, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm you know I'm cracking my knuckles, like sip my coffee, just looking around the office, everything's fine. And do some scanning and come across this machine that is yeah, it's it's really, really bad from a security point of view when it's their domain controller as well. I can't remember the operating system, can't remember any sort of finer details about it. I just remember thinking holy shit, this is bad. And I said, uh, <clears throat> I went up to my friend, I said, this computer, right, this is your domain controller. He's um, like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know it's fucked, don't you? And he's like, that's not good. He's like, no, what do you mean? I was like, well, I can take it down with one click. It's not, you know, it's not great. He's like, oh, don't do that. Uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: fine.
2: <laughs> don't do that. I'm like, okay. So carrying my scanning, blah, 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 you know, I'll just put that out of my mind, like I just don't do that. And it must have been, I don't know, a slip of the finger when I was typing out an IP address. I might have typed a five when I meant a four. And I was firing off an exploit. And, it, and, it, and I realized just as the exploit had finished that it had gone to the wrong endpoint, the endpoint in question, which is the domain controller. And I look up. And it was like that scene out of The Matrix when Neo pokes his head when agents the the three Smiths are coming for his office, like poking over, and I just see like people like picking up the mouse, going, "What's happening?" (laughs) And I'm thinking, "Oh shit!" And uh, my friend uh, Paul is coming over, and he's going, "Is that you?" Like. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, long story short, I took out a compl- uh, an entire floor of machines in one click. When the client said, "Please don't touch that," and that was a that was a definitely um off oh, off socks sake moment. You know, wasn't happy. That was a that wasn't a, a mate. You know, who you know, he he was pretty pissed off as you can imagine initially. But you know, took him for a pint, calmed him down, and we fixed it. You know, and it was a finding. So you know, my report looks great
0: absolutely fantastic <laughs> <laughs> no look really appreciate that Sean Amy thank you very much uh capture at capture talent on twitter uh plus you've got your personal twitter accounts and linkedin and um, so look thank you very much for your time thank you for being part of uh, uh of Socktails thank you thank you thank you very much Thank you very much for listening to episode one of the Socktails podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Please look out for more episodes following us on social media, most notably on Twitter at Socktails podcast, but you can also find our page on LinkedIn. See you next time.